mon ami. Bonjour Scotty. Oh, ça fait grand plaisir. Grand, grand plaisir. Tu sais, j'ai totalement fini toute ma connaissance de français. Well, halfway through the sentence, I was actually saying, if I'm totally honest, <laughs> why am I talking to you in French, John? I don't know. Why are you talking to me in French? Were you just talking to somebody in French who may have been in Canada? I don't know. Oh, no, I didn't even think of that. No, I have been talking to people from Canada in the last few minutes. But um, it's uh, you told me you've been working on some internationalization. I have. So in case you hadn't noticed why there, there have been troubles throughout the world is because version 2.0.4 Findery hit the store in record low approval time. I have to say, this is amazing. We submitted it on Friday afternoon. And it was approved the following Saturday morning. I've never had an approval that fast. So they must be really cranking through people. Um And uh, that, that, that is that is impressive, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess after a while, if you, when you have just like point upgrades, they kind of figure that uh, and that you're known not to, 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 to be a bait and switch type of app. I guess they, they give you some leeway. That's my imagination. Or they just love us. Who knows? But uh, it was an interesting, quick experience. This is where we did the first release of uh, some uh, voiceover improvements that we did. And uh, I made a mistake on something, which was kind of embarrassing, but we can fix it. And we, we heard about it, which was nice. And the way we heard about it um, is through uh, a piece of software that we integrated that I found really good called HelpShift. And uh, uh, HelpShift is this system. It's basically, it's, a, it's, it's kind of like a Zendesk competitor. Zendesk is this, this help ticket system. And uh, HelpShift is a company that's been around for a little while. And their basic thing is... is You know, if you're trying to provide technical support and and and, and bug reporting and, and whatnot uh, through your mobile users, mobile apps, since most people are using mobile these days, it should begin and end in the device. So instead of like having an email that sends you off to, to an email client, which you may not use, or to have to embed web views inside your, your page that, that can't be indexed and, and, and searched through very quickly, they have a very, very nice system for, for iOS and Android. Um, And I have to say, I really like it. It's really good. And we've seen the results where uh, support requests are much faster. You get much better information through it. Um, it's delivered as a service. So I, I don't want to turn this into a commercial, but I thought it was really cool. I should give a link in the show notes, and uh, it's worth having a look at. So so basically, what, yeah, let me make sure I understand this. It's a, a help desk system mm -hmm. that you have help desk people on, but the, the whole thing... Um, from the end user's point of view is integrated into the app itself so they don't have to go somewhere else the they'll they can send the support request and the reply comes back in the app precisely and all that's it all goes on inside the app yeah and so for example if they say that they report a problem you can say hey can you send us a screenshot and they have this nice very you know very cool tutorial which teaches people how to make screenshots and 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 the request is basically looks like a chat conversation that takes place within your app so they don't have to give you your that your email address if they don't want to they can just communicate they can be completely anonymous or they can give your name but all help requests are, are this ongoing chat i mean you can begin and end you know a problem but there's one place to find it just like in in, in iMessage so it's very cool and actually it's it, it basically it's a fully productized version of something that we saw with with Jira some long time ago and I, I was very excited to have used that um, the the big difference about this is that you know Jira is is very big complex system that that addresses all aspects of development this is very very squarely focused on technical support um, and I, I just found it really easy and what's what's cool about it is that 
after you've you know you can you can ask at any one time you know does this does this answer your question does it satisfy your your problem and they can say yes or no and if, if not you can keep going if they have if you have satisfied your request then they have a very nice system saying hey would you would you mind rating our app and which comes up with a nice link and and you know i would imagine that you're much more inclined to give a favorable rating to a, a, an app if you've gotten satisfaction and help from an actual friendly human being and you know the tools that they have on on the, the the delivery side are very good. You know, it's all built around unit questions, questions, right? So you know, here's a topic, and those are 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 you know developed using you know their 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 web based desktop web based you know content management system. Each of those different units can be tagged to a specific platform, so you can filter it. So you can say, okay, I want to draw on all the iOS or specifically the iPhone versions of these help units and and bring them to the front in in an orderly list. You can reorder them at any time, and they're very cleverly cached on the client side so that what it will do is, is it, you ship it, you know, it downloads at one time and then it will check for updates. So if you make a new a new entry or you reorder them, whatever, you know, you get that updated right away. And because it's all locally on the client, the first, you know, the, the kind of reference help screen where you have a list, you have a table view with these different items and you can search for it. The searching is instantaneous because it's, it's, it's you're searching there locally. It's, it's right away. And if they don't find something, then that's a prompt for them to say, okay, this hasn't answered your question. Would you like to, to answer, or rather, would you like to ask a question? It's really, it, it, it's very, very slick and, and reasonably priced. And I, I don't know, I, I, I think it's an interesting thing, something we've been talking about before, about how do you build a community? How do you support your customers? And, and how do you get good reviews? Well, good reviews come from good service. So. And so this, does their client just work on iOS, or is there a Mac client as well? Uh, well, there's an Objective C thing. I haven't, I haven't specifically seen. You know, my my guess is that you, I, I didn't see a, a Mac OS thing. I think you could adapt it pretty easily. And, and what I did say is, did find is that they were very, uh, very responsive. So I don't see any reason why, if you were to ask, you know, that they wouldn't either assist you in doing it or just do it if they actually know that people want it. Um, they're a fairly new company. Well, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Well, we'll put a link in, in the show notes, yeah. and I'm gonna definitely gonna have a look at that. That's um, you know, because um, I mean, the the range of tech support systems out there now is is over the last couple of years has grown. That actually now you've got a choice of probably you know, eight to ten really really good yeah. ones of which you know they're they're all good, and it's a case of just which one fits your need. Exactly. But actually, um. You know, ones that actually integrate into the app, I, I don't know that many of. I mean, as yeah. you say, there was the stuff with Jira, but Jira is an enormous beast, yeah. probably way beyond what most of us want to be using. Right. Um, it, it is, you know, even small companies, um, let alone individual developers. So, uh, yeah, that that's really interesting. Yeah. And and you discovered your um, voiceover problems uh, through people reporting it. Are you like, are you going to, John, were you a yeah. silly boy? Are you going to tell us what you did or do you just want to keep that secret? Uh, I made a mistake that made it so that it was it was difficult to navigate through the very very first welcome screen, which was you know and the guy was very gracious about it, um, <laughs> but you so, know so but your pointed welcome out screen something. was basically not very welcoming. Uh, true, yeah, I will admit it. <laughs> but there we are. That that's the paradox of these things. And you said you were doing some um, internationalization as well. So yeah, what, what have you been I, doing there? So that's another thing. So we haven't fully localized our app into multiple languages, but something Apple strongly recommends, and, and I can say is definitely worth it, is at least localize your your the descriptions of your app, and uh, and so they they recommend a number of services, and 
I wasn't working on this. And so somebody picked another service um, and which we used and they were okay. Um, but then, you know, I remember Tetris and, and how impressed I were with their software. And, and, and I had done a localization through them of Memory Miner for Mac some years ago. And they had actually, you might recall, they were on a show and they, they, they spoke at NS Conference and they were, they were there. Um, yeah, that's um, Brendan. Brendan Clavin. Brendan? Yep. And, uh, and uh, so their software was, was very sophisticated even way back then. Well, I hadn't used it in a long time and I, I used it again this time. And, and what I was very, very impressed with is, is the, the pre-flighting, right? So you submit either an individual file or you create an individual file. So let's say you just got a, you know, a paragraph of text and you want it, want it translated into one or more languages. They have a very, very simple system for doing it and they give you discounts for bundling languages together. Um, and then if you have an entire zip file full of, of, of you know, uh, you know, localizable strings files, and and they do it on on, on iOS, Mac, and, and and Windows Phone evenly. So they're, they're very savvy about that. And then so that you upload your 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 zip file, it decomposes it, shows you individual files and individual lines within the files, and then you specify your languages, and it goes through all this pre-flagging to make sure everything's okay and readable, right? And then then they have a series of of kind of back and forth discussions, which I find I felt was very impressed with that. So that for instance, you know, a translator may come in and say, say, you know, you've asked me to translate the word push notification. Well, they don't call it push notification in Brazilian Portuguese. They just call it notification. So I'm going to call it that. Are you okay with it? Or, you know, another question where I talked about localization of voice over uh, labels and hints. And the, the guy very savvily said, you know, are you talking about UI label the class or are you talking about labels in the generic user interface uh, context? And I answered and it made for a much better translation. And uh, they also have the second mechanism for creating glossaries. So, you know, these are commonly used terms. And so, for instance, for us, you know, we have this term note map where, you know, that that's a, that is a, a new word like photo stream. You know, um, it's a concatenation of, of existing English words, but it's something that we're, I don't know anyone else is using it. And, um, and so, you know, in that particular case, you have to decide, do you try and say, well, here's a, that's a, that's a, a local, that's a word that should stay in English in multiple languages, or can we come up with something that works in those different languages? And where you really start to develop the savings and efficiencies over time is that, uh, you know, all the all that core of work um, becomes available to any of the translators that are, are used. So it's, it's easier for them to find the cons and to, to be consistent than it is to start from scratch each time, even if you're not using this, even if the, the not the same translators are used for each one. Although part of their service, which I think is very good is that they, they have people who are editors who will look at things for consistency. So in the particular case where we had had done, used different translators from a different service, you know, they had some, some valid critique in some of the languages. And so part of their service is they, they can kind of make sure that it all works and reads like it was written by one person. So I don't know. It's, uh, I, I don't want to sound like two commercials for this, but these two services really worked well for us. And if you are looking for that type of thing, tech support and, and, and localization, you should definitely consider them. You see, I find it, what I find interesting about what you've um, just been saying there is, is, you know, it's the value that you're getting there is far more than just someone's ability to take a sentence from one language to another. Uh, the value is that they have an understanding of the context in which they are doing it, being firstly you know, an app, yep. and 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 the things of an app, and and um, the things you're doing it, and it's, um, it, it's the fact that they come back and ask intelligent questions that probably fills would fill me with confidence that I'm going to get a decent result because 
they're not just blindly taking statements and translating them. They are really trying to understand where this is working, how it's working, um, and just stuff like, you know, saying, you know, in Portugal or whatever, or Portuguese, they only do this or whatever, uh-huh. um, is, um, you know, that, that, that seems like it's a very developer-friendly experience as opposed Precisely. to just being a translation experience. Yeah, well, and and the fun thing is, is that when you start to to set up your account the very first time, and that you identify your app, and they, you know, you have the download link, so the people who are using the app can have a look at it, and they ask things about kind of the the, the audience, right? And and that that absolutely matters, especially in, in in certain languages about the kind of the tone and and who the demographic of your audience is. Is it skewing a little bit older? Is it young? Are you addressing teenagers or, or you know grandparents? All that stuff is very good, and, and you're precisely right. It gives you the confidence. And this stuff I follow very carefully. My my first job, you know, uh, in college was working at a, a translation agency. So I, I'm very, I, I'm genuinely impressed at the system that that, that they've built up, and uh, and they 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 also offer this clever thing where you have different grades. So like for instance, if you just want a pseudo translation to get an idea about uh, you know uh, language length, like right, to to make sure that your you know that that your your buttons are expanding to the right size when you translate it into a different language. Um, and then they have different grades of, of, of costs. So, you know, you can get by with the budget version, which will be okay. And, 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 and they have a more professional ones where they, they're more expensive because you're getting better domain expertise. So, yeah, big thumbs up. Great. Well, we left them right till the end last week, John. So I'm going to going to cut in now and uh, talk about our sponsors because um, I think we were almost 25 minutes in before I mentioned them last week. And um We've probably put most people to sleep by then, so let's uh, <laughs> let's come in now and um, talk about it. Uh, you, can you guess who it is this week, John? Uh, I don't know, but I, I I want you not to be brief in your praise. <laughs> oh, John, you are just so professional at this, and then I always ruin it by telling you how professional <laughs> you are at it. Uh, yes, it's uh, our friends from Martian Craft and their product, Briefs. Uh, Briefs is an application that allows you to um, mock up your UI but uh, not just from the way that it looks, but the way it behaves. So you use the application to put together uh, the screens of your um, application and uh, connect them up so that they, uh, the, the flow of the screens is um, linked to different bits and buttons on the screen. And then you can take that mock-up and you can download it onto an actual device. So then it can be in your hands and you can um, see what it's going to look like on the device. But equally, more importantly, you get the feel of that navigation, you get the feel of the flow, you get the feel of, is that button in the right place? You get the feel of, is that the right um, direction to take the application through? Um, this is all stuff that, actually, I, I personally find really, really hard to um, conceptualise just looking at a bunch of screenshots, a bunch of mock-ups. Um, you know, until you get it in your hand, you don't really know what that's going to feel like. Um, and this gives you that opportunity now, especially if you're working with clients, because, um, you know, as developers, we, you know, we might find it difficult to do that, but at least we have a grasp of what we're doing. Whereas just showing a bunch of screenshots um, or wireframes to a, a client often, you know, they, they, they're just going to say that's fine. And once they get it in their hand, they go, no, 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 that's not what I meant. So, you know, this could save, you know, literally save projects, I think doing this type of technique, especially for, for client work. So you need to go check it out at uh, giveabrief.com. Uh, you can download a trial. Uh, there's a couple of videos on the site to tell you the philosophy about it and show you how to use it. And um, if you like it and you want to buy it, there's 199 bucks, which is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, 199 bucks. Very, 
well spent. So just want to thank the guys at Martian Craft and um, their product briefs for sponsoring yet another show. Briefs. Make your app flow smooth like Snoop Dogg. Yeah, I'm not sure they're going to employ you, John, in their marketing department. Oh. There we are. You've got a job. What do, um, I'll be, I'll be on permanent you, uh, assignment. Do you care? <laughs> yeah, they're going to come in. Uh, I've been uh, looking this week at the um, wonderful world of sinking. Um, but, uh, you, know, you know, this has been a, a big subject online and in blogs and in things for, for quite a while now in, in our community. Um and there's lots of different things like there. Obviously, there's iCloud Sync, which um, people say is getting better. But I mean, yeah, I think I don't know what you feel here, John, about iCloud syncing. Did it did it burn its bridges in the early days? It's going to be a little while till anybody really goes for it. I, I, I think even if, you know, I think they probably got some people turned off. I don't doubt that they've made it better. I think the bigger issue is that, um you know, if you, if you never, ever want to go cross-platform, then it will be helpful for you. I mean, then, then you don't care. But if you ever want, you know, even if you want to have a web aspect to, to, to your app and your app should be a service, if it's a modern app, I, I, I think that's the biggest problem, really. Yeah, no, that was, uh, then that was the issue that we were facing because, okay, so we're choosing not to use iCloud syncing. Um, but then you can look at something like Ensembles, which, um, uh, which is from Drew McCormack's Sync, um, service that is open source and went live um, you know, 1.0 back about a month ago um, and I know several high profile applications are beginning to implement it and the great thing about that is you know some of these applications are quite big complex applications which really means that um, you know it doesn't take many but those three or four applications moving to it means it's getting a real battering right now which means you know give it another month or or two months for those applications to push through with it and and it's going to be an even stronger offering than it was you know 1.0 when it was released where it was already pretty good because it's you know those those high-end demanding apps of um it would have pushed it to, to to really be solid um so that's looks like a great option but again um even if you want to do your syncing through something like ensembles using using dropbox um if you do core data then you really can't sync cross-platform anywhere else again either, um, unless you do some very um, you know, sort of complex stuff. So um, I've been looking at syncing this week and thinking, well, you know, at the moment for what I'm doing, there is no Android application, for example, but the reality is there probably will one day need to be an Android application um, just commercially to go with it. Um, and so need to really reflect on that now. And if you start... Um, uh, wanting to uh, sync an application that may have to work on multiple platforms, you begin to open up a whole new bunch of bunch of issues. Um, uh, equally, when actually you don't want to force anybody to sync anything ever, so you have to have something that will work offline. So you can't just go for a um, REST API central database uh, necessary solution uh, type of thing because, you know, I think sometimes, you know, people only have one device. They're only going to ever buy it on iOS or on a Mac or whatever else. And they don't want their data to be in the cloud. They want to keep it locally. Um, and, and so, you know, this is, to me, it's moved into a less clear um, space of, of how this stuff may may or may not work. Now, have you do you know of any applications that sort of um, achieve 
this, John, and how they've achieved it? I mean, because I, I don't necessarily have any great examples to work off of. No, and and and, and you 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 did hit our point that upon that point of complexity that you know if 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 the app is a can kind of consumer app. And 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 does have to work for them, then their whole world is there, and and that that does make it more difficult. You know, in some ways, single source of truth is the easiest way of doing it, but it doesn't always fit. Right? So, you're a pioneer there, Mr. Yeah. Scotty. Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you what I'm playing with, John, and and um, I'll, I'll feedback as we go along about how it's going. And, and this really, I am just sort of prototyping at the moment to to see if it works. Um, well, actually, that's not fair. I know the technology I'm using works. It's whether the technology I'm using is appropriate for what I'm trying to do. Um, but do you remember our friends from Rem Objects who uh, used to sponsor the show with Data Abstract? I do. Yeah. So Data Abstract is this, this um, middle tier technology that basically takes. Um, a client server and and makes it distributed across the web because virtually every database in the world is designed to be used locally across the local network. The whole communication structure between the you know be it MySQL or Postgres or Oracle or whatever you're using, the whole client connecting to the database is designed to be a sort of a, a local area network connection, and so really you can't connect to a database across the web using those clients, uh, which is why lots of people go for REST APIs and, and, and all the rest of it there. Um, uh, whereas what the Data Abstract product does is it puts a middle tier between you and your database and it handles all of that. So basically you can uh, connect to the middle tier and make data requests of it just like it was a database and it will handle the fact that it then will get the database data locally, it will compress it down um, in an encrypted but very small binary format, transmit it across the web to you um, in the most efficient way you can and expand it again at the other end and work with it. So you can uh, really have very flexible, uh, still stateless data access against the database, but across the web. Um, so, but what, you know, I guess the question you might be asking, well, yeah, but how does that solve the solution uh, that I've um, been talking about? Whereas because this technology um, has the expectation there will be times when the client is not connected, it also uses a, a briefcasing technology, which means you can basically uh, run the data locally, you can save it to the disk locally, reload it locally, operate on it, and then just when you get a connection, apply updates back. Um, but of course, it will work in that mode quite happily, never applying the updates back, ever, oh. ever, ever. Um, if you want to, providing um, the the data that you're working with is suitable to be working in memory with. Um, and this is where I've been experimenting because the application I'm developing with, um, you know, the likelihood is that the the client is going to have, you know, probably tens of records, possibly hundreds of records, and in a very few cases, thousands of records. Um so sort of taking the Brent Simmons approach to things, you know, I've been trying to do uh, prototypes and mock-ups where uh, using this technology where it has hundreds of thousands of records, because my view is if I can make it work with that, then I'm going to probably cover almost, you know, 99.9% .9 of use cases. And uh, my, my idea is that um, uh, basically the application on whole will use this briefcase, briefcase technology as its data store locally. And... Um, 
uh, it will work that way and providing it can fit in memory, which is looking like it's going to do because it's performing pretty well, even on a, an old iPhone 4. Um, yeah, I'm making it work reasonably well with, with 100,000 records in memory, which I think is a use case that we should never see, but just in case. Um, and uh, and it does its does its thing and it, and it seems to be working. But the great, the great thing is, is if, if someone ever, um, you know, say, say someone's had the app from day one and they've been using it for six months and they've been, it's just been using this briefcase technology. Um, and then one day they decide to, they want to do sync and, and they turn sync on in the app. Um, basically all, all we've got to do is tell this briefcase to apply its updates back to the central database and it will just sort it out. It'll just do it. Mm. Um, and then in any other client that later, they turn the syncing on for and it will connect. It will just grab that data from the central database and, and have central truth. So it's looking really promising because the data abstract has clients for uh, for iOS, for Mac, for, for Android, uh, uh, for Windows, for all sorts of the platforms we want to go for. So um, it's looking quite promising. Now, obviously, I don't want to sort of... Um, I mean, it's a great technology, but it's not necessarily... I'm not necessarily using it for what it's designed for. It's designed for doing sort of more traditional client-server, but distributed systems, not necessarily working offline permanently. Um, but it does seem to be holding up. So that's uh, that's what I've been playing with this week. Very cool. Yeah, so uh, I'll keep you posted. Um, uh, and obviously, there might be some downsides to that that I've not come across yet. And, and that's not necessarily... Okay, again, I want to be very clear... Um, yeah, that's not necessarily the technology's fault because I, I know I'm using the technology for something it wasn't necessarily designed to do. You know, it, the briefcase models are normally designed for you're offline for a short period of time, not you've been offline for two years and now decide to go online. <laughs> um, but it seems to be, um, it seems to be uh, really cool. And basically, if I can, it means, um, you know, I, I've got exactly the same. Uh, one of the cool things I've got exactly the same data um, uh, mechanisms on every platform, so it's not like having to translate between there, and I'm not having to mess around with anything like trying to make you know SQLite triggers produce transactions so I can sync SQLite or anything. So, yeah, it's looking quite promising. So I will keep you up to date on that. Very good. There we are. Speaking of up to date, have have we uh, have we taunted our friend Simon at all recently? Well, John, I think. Um, we haven't, but I, I think when we last had a conversation, that, that I have definitely put a threat out to Simon, mm. uh, and you were there as well, weren't yes, you? Yes, I was. Um, that I told him he needed to um, to ship um, Avtag. Now, if you might remember from the show, uh, Simon used to come on and do the Avtag diaries, but after about a year of saying, well, I've made no progress, <laughs> they sort of tried up a little bit. Um, and I've been quite tough on him, and I've told him he has to uh, ship by... Uh, something by the end of April, um, or at least have submitted it to the store, even if it's not yet been accepted. And he's not allowed to develop a reject. So I've been quite clear on that. Oh, um, so he hasn't got a week left. Um, so I think we should probably hold off a Simon for a little bit. Just, just we need to give him his full, his full month. Yeah, but if he's listening to it, he should stop listening to it and better get back to work. I guess that's the first thing. But the second thing is like when when we when when I developer performs a shakedown they the victims need to know that they that we mean business <laughs> oh john we're bastards yes we are glorious <laughs> but there we are ah oh, there we are we will um in fact uh we will get him we don't do guests anymore but i think i think simon is worth having on as a guest once he ships it just to just to come and share his well like us, i don't you think? well like you just said we don't do guests anymore since he's never gonna so let's do something <laughs> 
John, this is rapidly... Uh, I thought we'd had quite a good technical and sensible show and it's rapidly declining into its normal abuse and, um, and fade. So I think we ought to get the hell out of here before uh, before things go too wrong. So tell people uh, where they can find you, John. You can find my more tranquil self on Findry where I'm John Fox and I would love to see your notes. You can find me on the Twitter as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And you can find out all about my product, Memory Miner, at memoryminer.com. And my name is Scotty, and you can find me on Twitter as MacDevNet. You can find me on ADN as Scotty. You'll find the show notes to this show with some really useful links in, I think, this week um, at iDeveloper.co, and you'll find my personal blog at wafflewithmeaning.com. John, I've been telling you for the last three or four weeks that I've got an announcement to make about um, uh, an app we've purchased and we've still not got the paperwork up together. So, yeah, eventually you will be giving me the same abuse as Simon I'll just be... over the fact of even announcing what it is we're doing. Uh, uh, I know, really. Um, it's, uh, um, I am already working on it. This is what the um, the sync technology stuff I'm looking at is doing for uh, uh, particular things we're looking to change in it. So the app is, is in development. We're just, uh, until we get a a press release and an official announcement and a few bits of paper signed off. Um, uh, I probably shouldn't say anything just to be fully legal, and you know how I like to be fully legal. Yeah, well, I think that the the, the, legal, the, the, new, the new child... Okay, John, it's been an absolute pleasure. Have you got any final thing you wish to say to our lovely listeners this week? I was just going to say that the new childhood, you know, schoolyard taunt game will no longer be tag. It will be avtag. Avtag, you're it! Yeah. So basically, if you play a game of Avtag, it's about never being caught. Exactly. <laughs> right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We do appreciate you sticking around with us. Hopefully, there's been something of use for you in this show. And uh, until next time, you all take care. <laughs> Thank you.